Library Shelf Health Podcast. I am Stephanie Smith, a reference and cataloging librarian. I'm Trisha Craig, I'm a library assistant. I'm Justin Tremini, I'm a reference librarian. I'm Theo Cantos, I'm the systems librarian. I'm Jesse Light, also a reference librarian. And we have all gathered here today to talk about horror in honor of October and Halloween in general. Uh, mostly movies, also some books. And I will admit from the beginning that I'm the least invested of us in horror, although I did read two horror novellas for this. So, uh, where would you all like to jump in? Does anyone have something that was so good that you just can't wait to recommend it? I mean, I wrote down a few that are some of my favorites. Yeah. Um, I guess starting with probably my favorite horror movie of all time is An American Werewolf in London. Um, it came out in 1981. It's uh, John Landis directed it, who's kind of more well known for comedy um, and thriller. The music video thriller. Oh, I didn't know he did the music yeah. video thriller. I'm thinking of like Blues Brothers. And <laughs> I think he took those skills from the werewolf movies. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, the transformation stuff. Anyway. Amazing. Well, it's kind of a fun one because it's it's comedy and horror. I mean, it definitely leans towards horror, and there's some gruesome parts. I mean, it's it's really famous for the transformation scene where he turns into the werewolf. The um. It won the first ever Academy Award for makeup for that scene, and it's like, it's pretty gruesome, but it also, I think, is like one of the best of its kind that I've ever seen. The movie is one of a nightmare sequence that actually startles me every time. That's really awesome. Yeah, there's a good jump scare in there. That I saw that once, and I think there was all this buildup of how great it is that I... It was one of those things where I'm like, I like it, but I don't know that. So I should watch it again, like maybe without... That much expectation. Yeah, it kind of, sort of like Shaun of the Dead, where it has some of that British humor in it, even though it's not I, not a British movie, but it all takes place in England, and there's kind of a lot, there's a whole kind of uh, quirky pub scene at the beginning of the movie that's pretty funny. And... <laughs> I feel like that's always a good way in when I when I do go for something that's horror. I like it if it has humor as well. That's, mm -hmm. As someone who doesn't do a lot of horror, I always find that that's a good way in for me. To, um, I mean, mostly mostly with books, but like Grady Hendrix's books, which I've talked about in other podcasts, are definitely horror, but also tend to have at least funny scenes. Um, yeah. I mean, I think helps. with that film, too, like an entry point for somebody who's not really into horror films mm -hmm. would be like Theo was saying, just the, the special effects are so good in that movie. Yeah. yeah. And they're like those handcrafted 1980s pre computer generated ones. Yeah. But it's like kind of like the peak of some of that, right? Like it was. So yeah. Good. It's, um, and especially like a decade later where you start getting into the early kind of CGI stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Some of it's pretty dated so from that time period. Yeah. yeah. The 80s stuff still looks great. <laughs> Anniversary of that one. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. That, and you're right, that would be a good starting for someone who's never seen a horror movie before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah, if someone's yeah. never seen one, it's a pretty approachable one. Hiding under your bed for a week. 
Yeah. But, I mean, just judging from the title, I'm guessing it's probably not something that would have you really concerned, like, oh, this could happen to me. <laughs> right. Depending and, on all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I do feel like that's also sort of helpful. But that's what the guys in the movie thought, too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> they weren't really acting. It was a documentary. <laughs> Unlike a lot of horror movies, it has an awful sequel that came out like 15 years yeah. later called An American Werewolf in Paris. Yeah. And that's a really good example of switching over to some of the CGI kind of effects. And I always confuse those two because the titles are so similar. So when you first said the title, I was like, does Theo like the bad one or the good one? <laughs> <laughs> like the good in that case, I like the good one. Okay. Yeah. But I've not seen the sequel, but the director of the sequel, he only did one other movie before that one. And it's one of, it's not on my list here for today, but it's this underrated masterpiece called Mute Witness. Um, that director of American Wealth in Paris did, filmed in Rush. It was Alec Guinness's last movie. Oh, God. And it's really creepy and well done. And I think everybody in that movie never really did anything else. It's mm -hmm. just this marvel. And then they didn't want to make another movie after. After a sophomore flop. <laughs> no more movies. <laughs> uh, a different kind of horror, perhaps. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, anyway, what are some of the other movies that you all have brought to this? I'll jump into one like the complete opposite. So this is a movie with zero sense of humor, I think. <laughs> um, it's from 2015. It's called The Witch. Um, yeah. Have oh, you yeah. really seen that? Yeah. Is that the one with like the two V's on the cover yeah. of the W? That's the, all I know. The, the bitch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's, so it's interesting. It was a first time director, this guy named Robert Eggers, who I found out he grew up in the town next to me, huh. like around the same huh. time. He's from Lee, New Hampshire. Oh, no way. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting because it's sort of like a colonial New England mm -hmm. horror thing. And I guess he wanted to recreate the sort of feeling of woods from his childhood but they had to film it in Canada because it was too expensive to film here. And then he had to go just like to the most remote place he could find to have it look like New Hampshire, I guess. Hmm. But the, the, I mean, the film is basically just like this Puritan family who's like too Puritan for the Puritans. So they get exiled <laughs> and they try to like homestead and like start their own kind of thing. And it goes horribly wrong. And there's a witch involved in all this kind of, in a, Creepy goat. Yeah, there's a goat. Really right, creepy goat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the whole thing, it's the like the mood. It's it's not even like yeah. flashy, scary. It's not really gory. It's just the whole tone of dread and like darkness in the film mm -hmm. is really intense. And I guess the, the director had some experience with like theater set design and everything. And he was so meticulous and like the costuming had to be like materials from the era. Mm -hmm. They consulted all these like museums to get like the exact right sort of costumes. I guess in the music in the film, he said specifically no traditional harmony or melody in the score. It had to be like minimalist and it had to sound like it could have come from that era. Mm -hmm. There was like no electronic instruments. Um, the whole film was shot with natural lighting. Um, so it's just really an attempt to make it feel like you're in the moment. I, I feel like horror film or not, like I don't know if I've ever felt like as much in a place is when watching that film. Um, That's cool. Yeah. I saw that movie in theaters, mm -hmm. and it was definitely like that with the tone. Like, it was just silent, and there were so many parts of it where it was just quiet. And then when it ended, everyone just kind of got up and marched out. Like, they were all just, like, still thinking and still, like, freaked out. Mm -hmm. so, it was an interesting experience to see that in a theater. 
Uh, I guess the, the director, he did one other film called The Lighthouse, which I haven't seen, which is supposed to be kind of horror, I think. But now he's doing a, a remake of Nosferatu, which should be interesting, like the, which has been remade a few times. But yeah. One of my favorites is Carnival of Souls, Ooh. 1962. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to watch the black and white version. Mm -hmm. Color version will ruin it, like most things. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this movie from the very beginning, it's just creepy, and that creepy tone never leaves you. I can't think of the actress's name, but she, I don't really know that she was in anything else, but she was so perfect, because she was this just mixture of, like, whatever, I don't care, and also, like, just eerie. She just gave all this eerie feeling. So it starts out that she's in this car accident, and her friends die, and then she's the only one that survives. And she just has to get out of the town. So she leaves and moves and she's working as an organist in a church. And it's just like everyone in the town is weird. And then she's attracted to this abandoned carnival site. Mm. Um, you know, which if you're normal like me, like looking at pictures <laughs> of abandoned, like amusement parks <laughs> and stuff like that. And then she has these visions where she sees these like dead people, but they're super creepy for the time and they're like dancing and they're coming up after her and she walks around and sometimes people can hear her sometimes they can't and it's that whole thing of like she's like am i losing my mind what's happening so you know no spoilers but it's just the whole thing just has this really creepy vibe scary vibe but it's one of my favorites so low budget and well made for such a time yeah yeah you call it amateur actors yeah i think so I have an anecdote related to that. My parents, and I love that, both of my parents, love that movie so much. Mm -hmm. I think it, it just, you know, it disappeared for 30 years, and I think it came out on VHS in the 90s, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, and my parents loved it so much, we added that that Salt Pavilion in Salt Lake City is where that those scenes took place. We added that to it itinerary of a trip to that part of the country. That was really cool and, is it, and creepy. Is it still like an abandoned yeah, amusement park? Yeah. It's still a thing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, this was 30 years ago, yeah. but yeah. at that time it was still there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Weirdly enough, I've actually been there too. <laughs> we, um, when I was a kid, we drove through that area and we, I saw the movie afterwards because oh, we okay. found out, because we just remember it was one of the creepier places I've ever been, just in general. It also smells horrible because it's by the, the Salt Lake and there's dead pine shrimp everywhere. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of weird that there's two people in the room that have been there. Yeah, maybe not for this. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly not for this group. Yeah. this group. What is it about carnivals that makes them so creepy? I feel like, I feel like I've never like read a review or a book or like seen anything that said at a carnival that doesn't have yeah. some aspect of horror. Something bad is gonna happen. Yeah. I think it's maybe that idea of like this thing that comes to town like this mm. evil that comes to town yeah. causes havoc and then disappears yeah. Yeah. Like, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Plus clowns. Like ninety percent of it's clowns. Yeah. Yeah. Dangerous, poorly maintained rides. Yeah. 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 That too, yeah. yeah. But mostly clowns. Yeah. What it is about clowns, but <laughs> um, one of my favorites actually has a marvelous scene in which takes place in Coney Island, yeah, carnivals, sort mm -hmm. of same kind of rides and stuff. It's called Angel Heart from 1987. Mickey Rourke, uh, it, 
Robert De Niro is a small part in it, but Mickey Rourke's lead is fantastic. It's creepy and well-made, and I just watched it again for the first time recently, and it holds up. It's it's just really well done. It takes place in the 50s in New York and then down to uh, New Orleans. Mm. And um, just lots of creepy things happen, and it's just really well done. Um, and I, nobody's seen it. I recommend it. it what's like the up. rough plot, or what's sure, generally um, what Mickey Rourke is um, Harry Angel. Is, uh, he's a private eye, and he's mm -hmm. hired by this mysterious guy, De Niro. Um, to, to find someone and it just it leads him through all these twists and turns and leads him to New York and then on his way down to uh, all the way down to New Orleans. Did they film in like New York and New Orleans? They did. They cool. filmed on location. Um, the director, Alan Parker, who just died not very long ago. Um, I know, I know he did The Wall, the Pink Floyd mm -hmm. movie, The Wall in the mm -hmm. 80s and I guess his famous, more famous stuff from the late 70s were these prison movies, Turk, not Turkish, no, not Turkish. It, it's a Turkish prison movie, I've, Midnight <laughs> Express. Um, and then he did a famous one, an English prison film with, I believe, Ray Winston was that one um, from the late 70s. And anyway, Angel Heart's a masterpiece and it's great. And it's sort of a, kind of a sort of a like mystery and horror kind of crossover. Uh, that's, yes, yeah. yes, it's not, you know, it's not over the top, gory, um, too many jump scares. It's just mood and atmosphere. Definitely some some humor. Some of it's pretty. Mm -hmm. Some of it's dark, but there's there's humor in there too. So it's like um, '80s Crocodile Dundee, New York. Like, <laughs> it's exactly yeah, like what I mean, it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's based on a book that I hunted down at some point and was was pretty good. But then realized the movie was fairly faithful to the book. Mm -hmm. It's always fun to discover that, yeah. whether it's whether it's that you're discovering that there's a book with a movie or a movie with a book. If it's something you like, it's fun to have that continue. Mm -hmm. That actually makes me think, with you talking about the, it being a faithful adaptation, one recent one I really liked was Dr. Sleep, um, which is a sequel to The Shining. Um, the book was great. Uh, Shining is one of my favorite books, and the, it's pretty different from the movie, especially the ending. Um, the Doctor Sleep book obviously follows the storyline of the Shining book, and um, I think the the director did an amazing job with the movie of kind of making it work as a faithful adaptation of the book, but also a sequel to mm -hmm. the Kubrick Shining movie. Yes, um, definitely. It's yeah, I thought it was kind of an impossible thing to pull off, but yeah. he really did. So does it discount the Stephen King directed Shining with the guy from Wings? That's such a wings, right? Like in the nineties, didn't Stephen King direct his own? He was oh, so mad about the Cooper Shining. Yeah, okay. Oh and God. the actor from that that show Wings, which was about some like I have heard was, of that show. It was like on Nantucket. So these guys, the who, John Corbett, maybe Thomas Hayden Church. No, Not Thomas Hayden Church. He was on that, but like a different, like the, the lead other guy, guy yeah. the lead pilot guy, Stephen hmm. Weber. Yeah, yeah, I, I know he yeah. plays the Jack Nicholson character. I think in the '90s one. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So Stephen King was so mad about the Kubrick film that yeah. he was like, "I'm going to make my own, make it better." Oh, and what it, a bad like, idea. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like your book is better. Just relax. That's yeah, fine. You can like them both. Yeah. Did he, did he think it was going to turn out better than Maximum Overdrive? It may be better than Maximum Overdrive. Set, but he, yeah. he should have stopped at oh. Maximum Overdrive. Yeah. I mean, I found The Shining book way scarier than the movie, and I read that book in college for a gothic literature class and I was actually reading it at night and all the power went out. No. And I was like, ah, this is real. Ghost. Hotel is coming for me. That's another one. If you're not in a hotel, maybe it's not that scary. Like the werewolf thing. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like a college dorm is like fairly similar that's to true. Yeah, that's yeah, 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 it was it added the long to the corridors, all the doors. Yeah, lots of people. Yeah, you don't really know the building. building. Yeah. <laughs> I agree that I think the book is scarier too. Obviously, it's consider the movie's considered a classic. Yeah. I think one big difference with the movie is Jack Nicholson was kind of more of just a straight up villain from the beginning. Right. Where the book slowly, the hotel, it's really slowly corrupting this character mm -hmm. and kind of makes the setting more of the villain. And yeah. And the stuff with the little kid and more about how he was really haunted. That was super scary. Mm -hmm. It's like it's scary in the book, but I mean in the movie, but in the book it's just so much more detailed, really. On the talking to his finger in the movie. Yeah, I mean you you know. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me a good story about that that the, the actor who played the kid wasn't told it was a horror movie. Oh no. That he was on set of or or that sounds familiar, yeah. <laughs> and he didn't I Kubrick had to re I mean talk him into it. <laughs> you know. He was I don't know if it would have scared him as a kid yeah. or if it was, you know, made him act better. I, I don't know. As a side note, has anybody seen that documentary that was about the people who have conspiracy theories about the Shining? Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. 36 yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It was weird. Like, it wasn't good. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think it was a good documentary in the sense that the filmmaker wasn't like, I believe this. Yeah, yeah. It was like, yeah. some right. people believe this. Right. It was, it was real. It was like the moon landing and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, it gets like, really weird. Yeah, it gets really into the weeds. But there was an interesting thing, though, where it was talking about how, like, the actual sets constructed for the film, like, don't make logical sense. Yeah, that and was interesting. That you can, like, subliminally the check that out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember there was a thing where, like, there's just, like, the hotel office and where the windows are but then when the characters go outside of that office, there's, a win there's not a window there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, like, it gives you these, like, if Kubrick was thinking that far ahead, which apparently he was so meticulous, maybe he was, that like you get these subtle cues that something's very, very wrong, mm -hmm. even if you don't, you, you don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. That's a real place too. That's a real hotel in Colorado, I think. I think so. Yeah, that's still there. He just made reference to that in Billy Summers. Yeah, yeah. That it was like don't go near this hotel. Like, uh, <laughs> it's kind of cool that like thirty years later, he's like, yeah. I can Reference my own material. Yeah. Some very side note, side note. Jesse and I recently were talking about Canopy Lake Park yeah. in, in yeah. Salem, New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. And apparently Stephen King included that. Like he, he had some book he wrote it like, I don't know, 15 years ago, where he wanted to write about like a spooky like haunted house ride at an amusement park where somebody gets killed or something. And he decided that was, was that like the Joyland? right one. Was that Joyland? Maybe that's it. Yeah, I don't remember the title. It was about like uh, amusement park. Yeah, that must have been it then. Yeah. So he actually like went there and he spent time inside of the haunted mine, which is like the goofy. Oh, and, all yes. the and, and he took pictures. Goofy, that's how my husband that. <laughs> 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 
probably still scary. I haven't been in a long time. It is. I was there a couple years yeah. ago. And I think it's scarier now because a lot of the figures inside are poorly maintained. So it's a lot of like chipped paint and just like electrical I mean, wires. Like yeah, stuff. the music's yeah. creepier because it just doesn't sound yeah. quite right. You can actually die with a wire. Like. <laughs> yeah, ventriloquist dummies are pretty creepy. Yeah. Yeah, that's another thing. I feel like it's high up there on the like. You don't see it except in horror. Ventriloquist dummy. Yeah. You know, I just read Magic for the first time I've with Anthony Hawkins. Never seen that either. Seen yeah. Oh, I recommend it. I mean, it's kind of like campy and weird, but mm. it, it, you know, it's it's creepy. Like mm. the dummy is crazy. <laughs> I can't there was like a Twilight Zone episode about a dummy that's right, that was creepy or whatever. Yeah, there's a movie from the 40s called Dead of Night, English movie with a dummy. I think it was one of those like trilogy. I guess the question is, has there ever been a film about a ventriloquist dummy that doesn't kill people? Like it's just a big Why would you bother? It's kind of like clowns. I think they're kind of in that same. Yeah, like there's never been a good movie about clowns. They're never the heroes. Never. No. Never. They've, <laughs> They've never gotten their day. No. They gotta hire someone for their PR. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to rebrand. Yeah. <laughs> Put a new spin on. Yeah, I don't think I know anybody who likes clowns. That's no. just no. No. Like earnestly a fan of clowns. No. Yeah. No. I mean, someone must be out there because, like, they keep being a thing. Right? Like, well, I think you can still, like, hire a clown for a party. Yeah, I saw one recently at, a, it was at like, <laughs> like, a kid's party, and I don't know, she was throwing face painting, but I, I couldn't stop staring at it. <laughs> like, it ruined the whole experience. I was just like, what should we do now? <laughs> it was just weird. <laughs> okay, so proof clowns are still out there. They're still out still there. Still scaring people. Like <laughs> I mean, was it supposed to be a creepy party? No, it was oh. a kid's party, and she wasn't creepy, but she, it was just... As far as you know, she wasn't creepy. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah. I know. I mean... Who knows what she's doing otherwise. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't know if any clowns do, like, background checks. <laughs> oh. Oh. I, mean, I guess as far as campy horror movies, too, with you mentioning that, I, I love slasher movies, and the, my favorite series is Friday the 13th. Okay. Um, I think it's one of the few series where... Some of the sequels are actually better than the original, the at least in my one. opinion. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and my favorite is the sixth one, actually, oh, okay. which is I don't think you could say that about another. <laughs> it's um, it's funny because like the fourth one was called like the Final Friday or something mm-hmm. like that, and obviously that didn't stick because there's been twelve of them. But um, we twelve cents or twelve total. There's been twelve movies, okay. yeah, and um, the sixth one is great because i don't think it's much of a spoiler to say that jason dies over and over in these movies <laughs> but um the sixth one almost kind of turned him into like a universal monster movie it's called jason lives and it starts with like lightning hitting his grave and him actually mm. rising out of the grave mm. and it's it's really the only one in the series that put a lot of humor into it um it's kind of self-aware of itself and campy uh kind of i mean they did a lot of those movies in the 90s and 2000s like scream where they started kind of picking apart that slasher genre in slasher movies themselves. But that was one of the early ones to do it. It starts with like an opening scene, like with like James Bond, where he used to shoot at the screen, but he throws his machete at the screen instead. It's just, there's car chases in it. And it's also probably the least um, gory of the Friday the 13th movies. I mean, still an R-rated movie, but it's, it's 
was kind of made to be more fun after the previous one was very dark and not well received at all. Mm. So that's a, and the first one famously doesn't have Jason in it, right? Like that's the whole thing where it's his, right. the ghost of his mom or whatever killing yeah, everybody. Like his mom. Yeah. yeah. At the very end, where you see him like jump up. And I think um, is the third one he wears a pillowcase on his head, right? Yeah. Is it the one where, like, yeah. Before he got the hockey mask, he just got the pillowcase. Am I giving it away? Am I? Spoiler: He's got a pillowcase. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that's been around for that long, like yeah. you know, people have had their time. Yeah, yeah they have their time. It, to know, you know, know, without it doesn't take away from the experience. Yeah. Either, no. Well, in the third one, he is 3D also, oh, so there's right. a lot of, like, yeah. goofy... There's one scene in that movie, I actually watched them all recently, where a character is using a yo-yo, and they put the camera down below the yo-yo <laughs> just so you can see it. There's another scene where popcorn is popping right at the screen. Uh, mm -hmm. There was, like, a whole thing when the 80s, when they had, like, 3D was back again. <laughs> 3D glasses. And, like, there was, like, Jaws 3D. There was, like, all those... And they <laughs> yeah. just, like, the whole movie is just things jumping at you. Yeah. The whole time. <laughs> For no reason. Yeah. I do not go in for 3D. It gives me a headache. Mm. I don't know. Well, and this is like, yeah, especially like old 3D where you're wearing the red and blue glasses. Yeah. 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 It's, um, well, and that, that sixth one, too, is kind of the last. It's ridiculous, but it's trying to be where then they like started doing like Jason Takes Manhattan, which he's mostly just on a boat in that movie. Was it filmed in like Montreal, too? Like it's oh, not Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like there's like ten minutes at the end that was filmed in actual Manhattan. Okay, okay. Yeah. I feel like he's only in New York for, but that's yeah, yeah that's he's, he's just on a boat. Misleading movie. title. Yeah, <laughs> and then he goes to space in one of them. Huh. David Cronenberg is in that one, like as an as an actor. Act, yes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. And I only remembered that recently. I really like that, mm -hmm. one. that was ten, right? Jason X is. Uh, yeah, the one where yes, Jason X, yeah. yeah. Jason. yeah. Because they, um, the first eight they did like basically one year after another in the eighties, and then they took a break um, because those last couple were so bad. <laughs> and then they, um, the ninth, they did a ninth one in the nineties, and then Jason X in the two thousands, and it mm. feels like an early two thousands movie. Yeah. But it's wonder like a Jason versus Freddy. Yeah, there was. Um, yeah. yeah, it should have been great, of course, but <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty disappointing. They were supposed to do a sequel to that too. That they ended up making a comic book series instead, with Jason versus uh, Freddy versus Ash from the Evil Dead okay. series. Okay. Which that would have been a cool movie. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, I guess part of the problem with Freddy versus Jason is it's two villains fighting each other. There's not really yeah somebody yeah. to root for in that movie. Yeah, you don't really care who wins, I guess, right? Right. Yeah. Although if Michael Myers had been there, I would have wanted. Mm. He's definitely like the underdog out of those. Yeah, like days. he doesn't need to run after you. Like, <laughs> he can menace you to death. Just like, he's in a rush. And I did see the new uh, Halloween movie yeah, recently yeah. too. But it's I've cool. seen all of them. I just haven't seen that one yet. Mm -hmm. That was my favorite series. Like first horror movie I ever watched. First one that made me sleep with the lights on. <laughs> Owned VHS, wore it out. Like, yeah. The very first one is so good too. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like for a slasher yeah. film, that's just like the the arguably the first one and it's the best one too. Mm -hmm. I think. That would be a good entry point for someone yeah. who's never yeah. seen it. And it's not that it's not that right? no. it's not, yeah. no. it's not. Where is Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Really? No, right. that's <laughs> yeah. not surprisingly no. not. Huh. That's <laughs> coming up on. That's actually coming up on its fiftieth anniversary. 
anniversary. Um, yeah, I I guess with that one, he actually was shooting for a PG rating. I mean, this is before PG-13, and they gave him an X rating instead. Wow. <laughs> There's, like, no blood in the movie. I mean, it's just it's, it's creepy, It's right? just, yeah. just gross and creepy. And it's it's intense. Yeah, it yeah. is. And I, it's called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yeah. which yeah. probably, especially at that time, was not something they wanted to put in theaters with a PG rating. But yeah. they had some pretty <laughs> movies, PG movies at that time. Yeah. Pretty violent. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not like not great if you're aiming for PG and end up like that. Yeah, yeah, you missed that yeah. shot there. Yeah, like I mean, at least get an R. Mm-hmm. What if it was like the Texas Chainsaw Soiree or something? <laughs> yeah, maybe it wouldn't be such a big deal. Yeah, it's I mean massacre right there. Yeah, you know. I don't remember that one having much humor in it. No, no, not really at all. I mean, another one that was PG rated at that time, which would totally not be today, is Poltergeist. Yeah, um, that's one of my favorite horror movies. It's um Toby Hooper, also actually who also did Texas Chainsaw Massacre, directed that, but it's written by Steven Spielberg, and it really feels like a Steven Spielberg movie. Um, it got an R initially, and he was able to appeal that and get a PG before PG thirteen, um, which I think. PG-13 wasn't until, like, the 80s? I think so, Temple right? of yeah. Doom. Indiana oh, Jones, right. Temple of Doom, 84, mm-hmm. first one. Because yeah. that one was, that was disgusting. Because the scene yeah. where the guy pulls the heart out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would have given it a PG-13 for all the, the bug scenes in that. I did not like that as a kid. Yeah. I haven't seen it again. Like, I know... Some of my friends and I in college were like, oh, let's watch, like, Indiana Jones. That'll be fun. I'm like... The first one was sort of fun, and then we just got, we're like, oh, some of the things in here haven't aged so well. I don't think we made it through all three. The second one, yeah, second, yeah. yeah there's some bad stuff. Yeah, there. I think, like, the first one, we're like, yeah, sure, like, yeah. that was fun. Like, let's do the second one, and then we got to the second one, and we're like, mm, yeah. we're done with this. third one was a big improvement. Yeah, the third one, yeah. like, yeah. The second one's just considered a bad movie. I mean, the, the, the third one was kind of like, oh, it's the magic of the original again. And it's not bad. <laughs> I don't even think the second one was really well-received no, at, at its time, time either. No, it was, yeah. yeah. Clearly, we didn't do our research before making that choice. <laughs> <laughs> Plunged boldly ahead. Harrison Ford, what could go wrong? A lot, apparently. That was Spielberg's wife, who was the lead. Oh. The second one. So I have kind of an awkward segue into another pick. Um, Talking about the Jason taking Manhattan, not being filmed in Manhattan, although apparently it was, but apparently it was very expensive to film Manhattan back then. So my pick is um, the film Zombie by Lucio Fulci, Mm -hmm. which is, he's like an Italian director. He was known to do like spaghetti westerns and stuff like that. Um, This is just a really great 70s zombie movie, but there's famously the last scene, like it's supposed to, it's supposed to take place in like the zombies are entering New York. They're going over the Brooklyn bridge. He couldn't get permits to actually shoot it. So they just did it guerrilla style. And they just at like five in the morning, put cameras up there and had all these people dressed as zombies going over the bridge, which is really cool. Um, but it has a scene where a zombie punches a shark, which is pretty awesome. And an underwater fight. Um, all the zombies are like really, really low budget. Um, and sometimes it's the same people. It's like the same like four people over and over and over. It's like an Ed Wood thing. <laughs> yeah, but it actually it works though. It's like really again, it's like atmospheric. It's 
he does like a lot with like a really low budget. It's like the plot is kind of who cares and the acting is not great, <laughs> yeah. but like the effects are really cool. Um, and just sort of like the camera work is cool. It's very colorful. Um, Jesse, you yeah, know, you know what, what could I you say? He, he was known for, I mean, the makeup effects. Yes, it's yeah. low budget, but they're, it's really, really icky. And like these zombies look like what you'd think zombies yeah, they look should look like. with mud and, and just uh, kind of like tendons showing. It's, it's they're, gross, they're yeah. icky. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Too. He famously, yeah. too, in all of his horror movies, there's, there's always a scene where an eyeball gets pierced with something. Oh. Is there... Oh, I think there is, right? Or he's very famous for yeah. those kind of things. four. Four of those really gory ones from okay. the late 70s, early 80s. It's yeah, gross, that's yeah. A, that's a great one. This is like yeah. an advanced level if you're ready for gross horror movies. <laughs> yeah. I don't watch that many, but like for me it has to be colorful, kind of fun, gross, and it's that, but it's also... Yeah. Mia Farrow's sister was the lead oh, actress really? in that. Yeah, She did some other horror movies, so. Wait, so that's the one that the Dear Prudence song is about? The Beatles song? Oh, is it? I don't know. Yeah. That, uh... yeah, that was famously John Lennon. She was having a bad time on some substances, and John Lennon wrote that song to make her feel better. Ah. Yeah. Mm. Well, she, she got to do these horror movies, so she should have felt better. <laughs> I think that one they kind of tried to bill as like a sequel to Dawn of the Dead. In Italy yeah, also. that's right. Yeah. Unrelated. Completely unrelated, yeah. yeah, but I think that, that was kind of popular at the time. Sound. Sure. No, that's right. Because in year. the in the seventies, like Dawn of the Dead, they in Italy they cut it up and re put it together, but called it Zombie. Mm -hmm. Right? Isn't that the story? <laughs> and I think they created some original footage and took some of that footage and made it this big mess. And then I think this one was Zombie Two, but then when it came to the states, it was just called Zombie, something like that. Yeah, some confusing yeah, that's, story. That's, yeah. They yeah. did that with um, Alien. Also, there were uh, some like unofficial ones where they would call them alien too and alien, i thought i think also in italy yeah um which is also one of my favorite horror movies um and that's over 40 years old now which again is really hard to believe the effects are still fantastic in it um it also there's a ton of rip-offs of it that came out afterwards mm -hmm. um, one that i like it's event horizon in the 90s oh, yeah yeah it's it's yeah, i mean it's movie. it's a gory horror movie yeah. um I've seen it kind of described as The Shining in space. And that's <laughs> sort of what's going on, except it's yeah. the ship they're on that's kind of corrupting these people yeah. rather mm -hmm. than the hotel. Mm -hmm. I remember reading some YA novel for, for grad school that was, I guess it was like horror YA. I, of course, have yeah. no idea what the title or author was, but it was, yeah, they're like on a spaceship and the spaceship starts coming alive and attacking them <laughs> all one by one. But like the descriptions of the, you know, it's like, Describing the inside of the spaceship turning from like metal to like intestine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was, it was not horrific. That makes me think of like David Cronenberg style, like body horror mm -hmm. stuff, yeah. which is a lot of that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah zombie, that's one that the movie Zombie back oh. it was fairly over the top, but no. No humor in that one. It's, yeah, I mean it's funny, yeah. like in that it's goofy, but it's not meant to. Although the zombie punching the shark seems yeah, like I mean, that even that like, though is was that a serious? <laughs> the, the, the dread, you know, the really slow, the music is just playing. Yeah. And that just, yeah. it kind of makes me think of the 1960s Batman movie where they have like the anti-shark repellent. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. 
another gory movie that's that has is nothing but hilarious is my second choice is Peter Jackson's Dead Alive. Mm. So before he did all the um, Lord of the Rings movies, he started with horror movies. He, did three, he had three of them, late 80s and early 90s. And this, this was his third movie. And it uh, takes place again in the 50s. Huh. Angel Heart does as well, a coincidence. Uh, New Zealand and there are zombies in it including the there's a zombie baby um, and then a great chase scene through a park and it's one of the funniest things you'll ever see but it, it is it's yeah lawnmower uh lawnmowers chopping up famous lawnmowers yeah yeah so it's one of the bloodier <laughs> bloodier but it's like intentionally over the top absolutely funny goofy but like yeah. really really gory yeah yeah describes it a lot well. of fun. yeah I don't think it's ever come out on Blu-ray. It's tied up in copyright issues, and all these companies have tried to release it, including, I believe, the other two. His first, the first three, Bad Taste and Meet the Feebles, as well. Um, yeah, the Frighteners. first two movies. The Frighteners was uh, after Dead Alive. I don't. I've never seen that one. It's good. I know it's, it's not um, gory. I know it's a horror movie. But it's not gory. Yeah, yeah, it's got a little bit of comedy in it. It's um, Michael J. Fox. Uh, it's. Sometimes it has a little bit of a Ghostbuster kind of feel to it. It is R-rated, so there's still um, it's still kind of violent. And, but that that's a fun movie. I think that was Peter Jackson's last one before he kind of got into more mainstream. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to watch his early horror stuff and then to think of how that informed like Lord of the Rings and just like the effects and everything. I mean, clearly he he, he had to know quite a bit about special effects to make. Again, those like kind of handcrafted '80s horror effects, like yeah. And Sam Raimi's like that too. Where before he, we talked about Evil Dead briefly before, and he did the two Evil Dead movies and Army of Darkness, and then went on to do the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, and mm-hmm. kind of went more mainstream. But I guess you mentioned Creepy Goats earlier. I mean, mm-hmm. I. Few years, I think, after the last Spider-Man when he did, he did the, he went back to horror and did this movie called Dragging Me to Hell, which um, oh, yeah. was a lot of fun. It kind of plays like a sequel to Evil Dead. It's only it's only PG thirteen though. I'm not really sure how they got a PG thirteen on that one, mm-hmm. but um, it's got it's got a really creepy goat scene in it. Always <laughs> 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 oh, good. Weirdly, goats rep- like rep- reputations haven't been destroyed by horror movies like clowns have, though. Yeah, right. Goats, I feel like goats pass. don't have a great reputation, but That's not in true. terms of horror, just in terms of like they'll eat well, now that, like, they do yoga, yeah, people are enjoying them again, yeah. so they're cute. They're getting good yeah. PR. Like, they are. They, they rebranded. They should do clown yoga? No! <laughs> <laughs> you do yoga and a clown climbs in your back? No. Yeah, that's a bad idea. No. That's not going to work. Even the goat yoga, frankly, seems like a bad idea. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, they poop a lot, and, like, they try to eat your clothes. This is, I haven't tried it. This is why I hear other people <laughs> putting that out there. I don't know. I like goats for distance. They're smelly. Smelly up close. Uh, and scream funny. The goats scream. Oh, the scream, yeah. One of my all-time favorites is Rosemary's Baby. Mm. And I watch every year. Um, Mia Farrow is Rosemary. And then John Cassavetes is her husband, who... Is an actor and he's like desperate to be famous and they move into this New York apartment and they meet these really odd neighbors who turn out to be Satanists 
And that's one of those movies where you you can like you physically and mentally feel her deteriorating. Like she actually gets thinner, she gets pale. Um, I mean, you know, no spoilers from seventies for BBC. <laughs> Um, but it's again it's just that the tone of that movie and the music is super creepy Mm -hmm. it's just that feeling of dread like the first time you see it if you don't know the ending you're just like what's going on here and it's shocking when you know the like 80 year old neighbors turn out to be like creepy saviors Mm -hmm. Um, it's just one of those classics that I like to watch every year I think that was the first ever R-rated movie, too. Really? Because it came out right after they've come out with the new rating system. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. there's been ones that they've gone back and made R-rated, like mm-hmm. Psycho. But... Yeah. And it was filmed, that building is where, like, where John Lennon was shot. In, like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So some, and then, like, it was directed by Roman Polanski, not a good person. Yeah. Um, but this was, like, I think the film after his wife was killed by the Manson family. Yes, so a lot of yeah. it's informed by like the weird trauma yeah. of, of that. So it's, yeah. And it's kind of like Poltergeist is like that where it has this weird trauma afterwards. Like the little girl died of something mm. mysterious and then the one that played the daughter died. Well, and the, yeah, and the, the villain in the, the second one was kind of dying while they were making the movie too. Oh, he was creepy. Yeah. yeah. He was in the Miami Vice episode that actor. That's, I think, he ran a, a famous experimental theater in New York, that that actor. Yeah. I think the second one is actually pretty good, too. In some ways, it's scarier than the first one, since it doesn't have that kind of whimsical Spielberg feel to it. Something really fun that I really liked recently was Fear Street. Have any of you seen oh, that? Yeah. That was, that was, that was great. Yeah. Again, like, that was, like, for, like, Stranger Things for me. Like, it mm-hmm. feels kind of, like, nostalgic. I don't know why, but I, maybe it just feels like that 90s, like, horror feeling that I grew up with. Yeah, it was fun, though. It's on Netflix, too, so you yeah. can check out one of our Rekus and watch it. Mm. It's um, What's kind of cool about that one is that instead of a, like a season of a show, they did it as a trilogy of movies. And it's based on a R.L. Stein series called Fear Street. Mm. And... Um, each one, like, the first one takes place in the 90s and kind of has a lot of references to movies like Scream. And the second one takes place in the 70s at a summer camp, and it's a lot like Friday the 13th. And then the third one goes back to the 1600s, and it's a lot like The Witch. That was kind of... So. It's still pretty gory, but um, the yes. R.L. Stein thing is kind of tricks you into thinking it's going to be something more like Goosebumps. It's not. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely more fun than some. Apparently he stopped writing the Fear Street, and I only know this because as I was cataloging a book yesterday, it was like interviews with authors whose books are most often challenged, and apparently R.L. Stein has challenged a lot, which mm. was surprising to me, but what, you know, whatever. Anyway, people don't want goosebumps in libraries, I guess. But he, I was flipping through it, and he said that he stopped writing the Fear Street, or at least he took a break from them for a while, like, after Columbine, and he's like, mm, it just doesn't feel good writing about teenagers like being killed anymore, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Um, well, and I think those ones were written for they were written an for, older audience yeah, than right. Goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Right, not, I think he described... Yeah, Goosebumps like, were like little kids. I mean, I read right. those when I was a little kid. Yeah, he described it as like horror for 7 to 12 year olds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Well, I'm sure plenty of kids are even younger than age seven, but um, but yeah, and yeah, Fear Street was written for a slightly slightly older audience. But it's a really scary goosebumps about a ventriloquial thing. <laughs> yeah, I think they did a few of the TV show. character. Um, yeah, that was the very first. That was, a, I believe, the pilot of okay. the TV show, the Goosebumps TV show from the nineties. Well, another one that went to straight to Netflix recently, so you can see it pretty easily, is Army of the Dead. Um, it was, it's like a really stupid concept, but it's it was directed by Zack Snyder, who's kind of a love him or hate him kind of director, I guess. But uh, this one, it's um, it's about a zombie outbreak, but it gets completely contained in Las Vegas, and the whole city just goes to the zombies. But uh, to, it sounds like real life. <laughs> well, and it's um. Dave Batista is the actor, and he leads this group of thieves that want to do a heist in Las Vegas to rob one of the casinos. It's all the money was still there with the zombies, so they have to get into Las Vegas and get the money and get out while avoiding all the zombies. And it's it it was a lot of fun. I think the only horror, I guess, you know, you said Psycho, and it occurred to me that I have seen like I have seen Psycho and the Bird, uh, which I guess I'd forgotten about. This kind of horror. It's like the only recent horror film that I have seen and would also recommend is Get Out, um, which I watched with a large group of people. I don't think I would have faced it on my own, but um, but I was in grad school and it was getting a lot of buzz. So I was like, all right, fine, I'll, I'll do it. And it was scary, but it was also really good. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought it was definitely worth watching. Did that make you want to watch other horror movies no. or not? No. No, that was, but like I, I mean, I I'm not a big movie watcher in general, mm-hmm. so so there is that. It just totally seems like such a time commitment. <laughs> 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 like you want me to you want me to commit like two hours of my time? What if I don't like it? So I yeah, I don't watch a lot of movies in general. Um, but no, it did not make me want to watch a horror <laughs> movie. I feel like that movie was probably a big like entry point for some people yeah. because mm-hmm. it was like nominated for the Academy Award and it got all this buzz mm-hmm. and it had sort of like a wider social mm-hmm. message to yeah, it. Right. You know, I think a lot of people went to it not just because of it's a horror movie or yeah. you know, or it wasn't even really billed that much as a horror movie. Right. Yeah. Although I mean, it, it definitely was. No, yeah, like, definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 it was not marketed as like yeah. horror. It was I mean sort of like, you know, it's sort of like how when literary authors write sci-fi, it gets shelved in fiction. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. that kind of deal. And it's like, well, this is this is classy, so we're not gonna yeah. like, give it a genre. Put label. it in a genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of in that area where it's it's a horror movie, but it's kind of looked at as something kind of above yeah. a genre movie is um another one is Silence of the Lambs oh, which right. um is another like one of the few horror movies to get Academy Awards. It actually I think it swept like best director, best picture, best actor, best actress and best screenplay on that one. And Anthony Hopkins, who everybody's familiar with the Hannibal character, but he's only in like fifteen minutes of that movie and won Best Actor rather than <laughs> Best Supporting Actor. Because he's such a presence in that movie that it's but I think that has a couple of the scariest scenes I've ever seen in a movie. And it's kind of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where it makes you feel like it's gorier than it is because it's intense and you're kind of hearing about things a lot rather than seeing them on screen. The slams are good, Jason. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's... But just 
type, just the phrase Silence of the Lambs. I mean, maybe because of all the horror associations, like, that sounds creepy. Silence of the Clowns would probably be. <laughs> that, would be yeah. Yeah. that would be a mime movie, right? Yeah, that would yeah. be a mime yeah. movie. It must be yeah. a mime horror movie. Oh, I would think so. I mean, yeah. one of the French horror movies has got to have a mime on it, right? Oh yeah, that's so my that that's a nice segue to yeah. my, my last pick here. So it's a French film from 1960 called Eyes Without a Face. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, have you seen that? Yeah, it's it's really it's interesting because it was this uh, director whose name I'm not going to try to pronounce. Well, I'll try Georges Franjou, but he apparently did documentary films. This was his first kind of feature film, and he wanted to do a horror film. But then there was like he wanted to class it up and bring like. Mm. You know, and this is 1960, so you, the, the genre wasn't really that established, but he was going to try and make it like a poetic horror film. Yeah. Um, and so it's about this, like, evil uh, plastic surgeon whose daughter's face gets disfigured, so he has to try to steal people's faces to graft them onto her face to make her whole again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's like there's not a lot of gore. Apparently there was... No. A, yeah, there's a lot of, like, censorship stuff, yeah. like, where the studio didn't want it to be too gory because they figured it, there would be pushback. They tried to get ahead of that. So it's all tone. Exactly. It's just it, talking about it again, talking about it. Yeah. It makes it more, but it's it's still creepy. It's very without creepy. Without having to see any of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good example of like a way that like through not, it's like the thing with Jaws, like you don't yeah. see the shark until towards the end. And the whole point is that that makes it actually scarier, just sort of knowing what's, what's underneath that. Right. That fear of the unknown. Yeah. Usually yeah. the story with Jaws was that like the shark looked so bad that the editor she she cut out the shark and then eventually that just made it work perfectly and yeah. Spielberg's like yeah. I did that yeah <laughs> right my idea uh, my parents claim that when they were boating off Cape Cod and they saw like part of the filming of it. Like, oh, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> what is this thing being dragged through the water? <laughs> yes, apparently there were like tons of technical issues with the shark, and it broke down, and nobody thought it looked scary. I mean, it does look really bad, right? It like when it bad. jumps up in that one scene, it's like, yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Because yeah. yeah, you only really see it like right at the end. It kind of jumps at the boat, and it does look a little yeah, little it does cheap. look kind of lame. You see it an awful lot in the sequels, though. Part four, you see it a lot. Of <laughs> was one of those in 3D, too? Yeah, just three. Okay. The one at SeaWorld was in 3D. And every other scene is, like, people in water skis coming at you. And then, like, uh, a manta ray coming at you. Yeah. They can't resist having the third sequel in horror franchises be 3D. That's... It was right in that sweet spot of, like, when 3D was hot, and it was the third one, so it could be Jaws 3D instead right. of Jaws 3. Um, I mean, it's yeah. a natural fit. Yeah. Any, any third movie is a natural fit for a 3 I'll take a quick right. moment to plug, if you want to see yeah. the, like a really bad movie, Jaws 4 is fantastic. <laughs> it's actually the woman like from the original movie who survives, or the daughter, I think, she decides to get away from the shark. She goes all the way to California, and the shark follows her through the Panama Canal, gets to California... <laughs> Uh, this one, it's great because the shark roars like a lion. Like it, it's not silent anymore. And then for some reason, John Hurt is in it. He's a, like a sea captain oh, guy no. who flies a plane. He has to fight the shark. Then he famously said, you know, it's a piece of trash, but it bought me a new house. Yeah. So Michael Caine. Yeah. Oh, Michael Caine. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Not John Hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask him Michael Caine was yeah. bought a new house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm no. just going to go out on a limb and say if you want to get away from sharks, California is not the right place. <laughs> 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 you want to go for, like, Kansas. Yeah. yeah. You know, right. somewhere 
inland. They should yeah. make part five where the shark travels inland. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, creates his own habitat. Through the yeah. 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 Oh, that's great. Well, did any of you have any other movies that you wanted to mention? We can't end on Jaws 4. We can't. No, we, we, we should touch on a we couple should. of books briefly uh, for, for our faithful listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had recorded a whole episode about books, and there was a technical issue. So it was a haunted recording. It was a haunted recording, absolutely. I mean, there's a whole haunted library genre. Not necessarily <laughs> books, but I feel like with people who like work in libraries who are like, oh yeah, it's haunted. Because every library has like weird banging noises. Like, you know, that happened at some point. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, I can't resist. So my mother worked at the Salem Mass Library, which, you know, Salem itself mm-hmm. is London. And that building had been owned by a sea captain. And, you know, the thing was that he haunted the building. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the things would happen, like books would fall or lights would be on after they'd been turned off. But one of the big ones was that, like, the had always been turned on and it was like oh just blaming ghosts for <laughs> like that it's a tech savvy ghost yeah <laughs> like we adapted with the time she was like I've got to figure out this internet thing <laughs> the dropping books off shelves isn't cutting it anymore no but it was always fun to tell people that it came in you know oh the sea captain <laughs> people love that story well one of the books I mentioned in the the previous podcast mm-hmm. that the ghosts destroyed was um hell house uh i it's from the 70s i just kind of came across it recently um the author did um the book that i am legend the will smith movie is based mm-hmm. on and about a dozen episodes of twilight zone including the something on the wing episode that was remade in the movie and kind of is the one everybody thinks about but um it's just it's another one kind of like the shining where the location is kind of the villain in it rather than the people it's um it's like a couple of mediums and a scientist are investigating this supposed haunted house. And well, they kind of get into the history of the house. And then while they're there, just things start getting, it builds a very slow dread throughout the story and kind of gets under your skin and things start getting worse and worse. I wouldn't, I don't want to say too much about it, but it's, it's well worth picking up. They did a movie, I think of that one too, in the seventies, a couple years later. Same title. I think the movie was called Legend of Hell House. It's Adding legends does make it scary. Yeah. It's, um... <laughs> One of my favorite horror authors is Stephen Graham Jones. Um, if I had to recommend one of his books, it would be The Only Good Indians. Kind of this revenge story about these four friends that were hunting on so they are, they're Native Americans, but there was like these certain times of year and times of day that only the um, elders were supposed to be hunting and they went out, they were kids and don't get too spoilery, but it's this revenge story of the spirit haunting them. And it's just the tone again, it's just so much dread, but he also writes really good characters and he has a new book. I think his book is out now, My Heart is a Chainsaw. And that's kind of a... Ties nicely in. Yeah. Um, but he also writes fun. Like, he has a little bit of fun in his books, too. Like, he's a huge slasher um, fan. So that's kind of a part of that book. And then he wrote The Last Final Girl, which has been so many Final Girl mm-hmm. books out lately. 
but to me that's the first one and that's kind of a campy really fun like love letter to slasher films um, mm-hmm. one of my favorites i like joe hill a lot too mm-hmm. and we kind of mentioned him in the, the yeah. book podcast we, we were gonna do that um yeah. uh, stephen king's son he's written a few books on my favorite is the fireman which that sounded really good we were yeah talking about a lot of time i have i've listened to horns which he wrote which then okay. got yeah. turned into a movie right yeah, with uh daniel so. ratcliffe yes i think as as the guy with horns <laughs> like that's not much of a spoiler like there's a person with <laughs> yeah. horns um i was that was good i i did it for a book club i wouldn't have i wouldn't have listened to it otherwise but i did enjoy well, this next one, Nosferatu, that he written was turned into a TV show recently. But um, the Fireman, it's like a just it's another dystopian story, but it takes place kind of all around this area, so it's kind of cool to read about like dystopian New England. Yeah. And um, it's about this uh, virus, or they're not really sure exactly what it is, but it causes people to just start bursting into flames, um, and it kind of follows what the world's like because of that. And it's another one where the people are kind of scarier than the main, they're kind of the main threat because mm-hmm. it's the way they react to this. And I remember reading a review of a book, I think by Paul Tremblay, that was like set in Massachusetts about a pandemic. And this is like fairly recently. And I was just like, I will recommend that for purchase because that will go out, but no, <laughs> too close. Yeah. Give me another decade, yeah. maybe. Well, he came and spoke at the library yeah. and, February of 2020, so kind of right before. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and he was talking about that book. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't read it, but it did sound very good. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is. But, but yeah, I was like, this is a little bit too yeah. on the nose for me right now. His book, A Head Full of Ghosts, is a really good horror book. Like, maybe if you're not sure if you like horror, that would be a good one to start with. Yeah, I liked that a lot. Yeah, that was a good book. Are, are his other books also set around here? Do you know? I don't. I don't think so. I mean, sometimes it's like, there was one, I remember the cabin of it. Cabin at the end of the world, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, at the end of the world. That might have been in like a Maine sort of, mm-hmm. I don't know if he actually said Maine. Right. I think at least with a head full of ghosts, the kind of world that it takes place in is not that important to the overall right, story, right, so I don't, exactly. yeah. Stephen King writes quite a few that take place yeah. right around here, too, which is cool because you can recognize a lot of the locations. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's always fun. I always get a kick out of that. It's a local interest, but I still haven't read any Stephen King. It's been vaguely on my to-do list for a long time. A good one to start with if you're looking for kind of something short that's not full-on kind of scary horrors later. Mm, yeah, but you really like that one, Brittany. Yeah, that was like a horror, but it was also sort of like a detective kind of thing. And But again, like the main character is a kid, and Stephen King writes kids really well. Um, but it's like a spooky ghost story, too. There's like a scary demon-y thing in it. Um, but yeah, it's short. It's more like a novella. Yeah. Yeah, and it, yeah, it has a good mystery in it. And uh, it kind of connects to some of his other ones, too, which is always fun if you've read the other ones. But. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do like a good novella. The busier I get, the more I just I don't have the patience for a long book. Yeah, the short story collections are also a good place to start if you're not too sure if you want. Obviously, Stephen King, um, Clive Barker, Paul Tremblay has a short story collection that's good, and Stephen Graham Jones has one too. So. 
funny because I've read Clive Barker has like a YA series that he started and annoyingly never finished. <laughs> <laughs> I think he wrote like two or three books. I have a projected five. And you know, they were published in like maybe the like early two thousands and then yeah. just like nothing. I was like, well, I guess that's just that is disappointing. Summer. Yeah. Summer. But I would not just the it was called Aberat. And then the sequels both had Aberat in the title. And they were just I mean, pretty much straight up fantasy. I mean, there were some like scary parts, but nothing I would describe as horror. Um, well, he wrote the story that Candyman is based right. off of, mm-hmm. and Hell, the Hellraiser series, which is another one where there's like 15 movies at this point. They mm-hmm. just, I think, with that one, at one point they just started like buying up scripts that weren't originally going to be Hellraiser movies and <laughs> putting that character in them. <laughs> oh, I love it. And I think I just read that that's becoming a TV show now, too, on Hulu. Well, there's no lack of horror materials out there, clearly. And, uh, you know, I I feel like from what you've all described, it's, like, such a wide variety that really, like, even if you're like me and you do a lot of horror, there's a way in for for anyone who's interested, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean... I mostly do sci-fi and fantasy. There's plenty of horror that crosses over with those, but we've heard about horror that crosses over with mystery and even, like, literary. Literary horror. Mm-hmm. Whatever the movie equivalent of that would be. Prestige horror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> horror that we're going to not call horror because it's, like, fancy. Yeah, even though it's yeah. clearly it's horror. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, the thing that happen. But... Well, this has been great. Unless anyone else has any last thing to slip in, I think we'll wrap it up. We're about at our time limit. So thank you all for joining me to talk about a word. It's been a lot of fun to learn about something that I don't know a lot about. Thank anyone you. comes looking for a horror recommendation, I'll feel better able to assist. Or I'll call one of you. <laughs> Just tell them to watch Jaws 4. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell you other way. Yeah. We'll never want to watch another horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe that will hook them. Maybe that might get them, yeah. Maybe that will hook them to, like, B or maybe even C-list horror, mm. you know? I mean, that could be fun. There's something to be said for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that wraps up this episode of Shelf Health. Uh, you must have found us somewhere if you're listening, but the other places you can find us are Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and our website, mhl.org slash podcast. If you have any comments, we would love to hear them. You can email rdesk at mhl.org, the letter R for reference. And uh, we hope that you'll be listening to us next time. Bye! Tonight is the night when dead leaves fly Like witches on switches across the sky When elf and sprite flit through the night On a pony sheen It's Halloween